that's uh that's Oz in the other room. Yes. Uh if you haven't guessed, Sweden did qualify for the World Cup, beating Italy over two legs, and yeah, Oz is yes. kind of excited. Yes. Uh, What's up, Gary? Hey, hey, hey. How are you? Good. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm Clearly doing, good. I'm doing great, man. Can I stay next to you? Sure, why not? We have this podcast to do. How, how are you? I'm good. Good. How, yeah. how you been, man? Good, yeah. Long Fine. time no see. <laughs> not really. Not really, that's right. <laughs> not really. Dude, what, what's this? What is this? I don't know. Does that have a name? It's like, it's like a shield, the, the Swedish flag. At least the, the uh, national crest, the, uh, what's it called? National Federation crest looks like a shield. I kind of like it. Almost like a Viking shield, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Excellent, man. We made it to the World Cup, y'all. We did it. Did. We did it. When was the last time? 2006? 2006 was the last time, and um, it was in Germany, right? And it was one of the most attractive football I've seen in my life. So many goals, so much happened. The World Cup, that is. That World Cup, yeah. yeah. And Sweden had a good team, too, you know? And since then... We haven't made it to the World Cup. Name some of the players in this team, on that team. Yeah, you had Fredrik Jungberg, Slatan Ibrahimovic, Henrik Larsson. You had Christian Willemsson, Olof Melberg, Andres Isaksson, yeah, yeah. Chelsea. The list goes on with like legends, soccer players in Sweden, right? And uh, they had a lot of, you know, throughout the years, the Swedish team had a lot of players that never really made it to the first team. You know, they were in the national team, but they never really got any chance to be like, I'm the first striker, I am the central midfielder, this is your position, and kind of build on it. Um, but after the Euros, we got a new coach, Janne Andersson. I've been talking to you a little bit about Janne, haven't I? Janne. <laughs> <laughs> I've been talking to you about Janne. Yeah, you said that you... You've been an admirer of his tactics, of yes. his methods, yes. of the whole, especially with Ibra retiring after yeah. Heroes, the whole, uh, no one man is the star and the team is the star and the whole team, team mentality, team, yes. the team comes first, not one player. Exactly, exactly. I was, I was struck by, in a team sport like football, how can you make the team sport effort even better, right? And I felt like, if that makes sense. It felt like with the Swedish team, they somehow brought out all the strength in each other in that collaboration to produce that type of football they did. I mean, come on, they, in a, in a group stage, you know, they beat France, they won over Holland, and now they two-legged game, they won against Italy. 1-0 at home. Deservedly so. And 0-0 away. Deservedly so. Yes. Sweden definitely worthy better team there. Had a game plan. First leg, they were the better team by far. Got the goal. Who scored the goal? It was Johansson. Johansson. Yeah. Kind of got off Chiellini, but still, that's a goal, right? Yeah. I mean, this Swedish team really deserves it. You have I mean, Ola Toivonen, Marcus Berg, Sebastian Larsson, Andreas Granqvist, the players that have been in the squad for a long time, but finally making their marks. And in the second leg... Yes. Italy pushed, pushed hard. They're desperate for the end of the yeah, goal. You can tell it. that they're desperate, but excellent defending, masterclass defending. 
And uh, really, I mean, the chances, no, Italy had chances, but not yeah. like super clear cut chances or something. The only thing you could say was penalties, which weren't <laughs> given for either team. I think, Both yeah. teams should have had what penalties. What was that, man? It was quite ridiculous. But ultimately, Sweden came in there with a plan again into San Siro, and they took the crowd out of it and uh, got out there with the point that they needed. Oof. Amazing scenes to watch, man. Like after the game. Um, the fans got together and started singing the national anthem while all the Italian fans started to leave. They started to sing, basically. And powerful scenes, man. Beautiful to watch. In Swedish media, they call this the miracle in Milano. Because the Italian teams were um, attacking, 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 the only thing they kind of did was like crosses and crosses. And we have, crosses, yeah. you know, we have Victor... Linda Love and Andreas Gronqvist. Gronqvist was the best player in the game. Best player, man. He was amazing back there. I mean, the tactics for the Italian team did not work at all. I mean, mean, like you said, they were almost like they didn't have too much of a plan. They just ended up being desperate right from the beginning. Did you read that? What he said about De Rossi? No. Yes. Well, what? (laughs) (laughs) No, but like there's video. Of De Rossi when he's kind of mad and yelling at like I don't know what coach it is but he's kind of yelling is uh, apparently says what the hell are you going to do with me we're not going for draw we need to win put mm. him put him in basically pointing at Insignia mm. and Insignia just played 15 minutes out of these two games and he is one of the he's probably Italy's most exciting player exciting right and dangerous player right yeah. I mean, I have heard reports, just speaking of De Rossi for a yeah. second, I have heard reports that with Ventura, the Italian coach, that there was pretty much no confidence in him for many of the players. And it was your typical veterans, De Rossi, Buffon, Chiellini, Barzagli, the ones, the guys that have won a World Cup, Yeah, that they were the guys that pretty much, even in the middle of the game, they were the guys that pretty much started to try to take over. Like, don't listen to him. Start listening to us. Try to take over. Even so, I think the Rusty got, uh, he was warned by the ref. Maybe he got a card. I can't remember. Maybe. He was warned by the ref. Remember in that game? And then you saw Ventura had to go over and like calm him down or something. Mm. It's because De Rossi was like acting too much like a coach on the sideline. He needed to chill out. The big talk was why Ventura never played in senior. Yeah. I yeah. mean, <laughs> I mean it's so odd. He, yeah, you're right. 15 minutes in the first game and yeah. then the second game never came on at all. And I was like, is he injured? But no, he's right there, you know, yeah. like he's, he's healthy. I mean, he put in El Sharavi and you could immediately see that there was some danger. There was yeah. some shots on target. There were crosses. I mean, El Sharavi, once he came on, Immobile was very active and yeah. he's been in good form this season with Lazio. So Italy have... While they're not a star-studded team like we've seen them before, they had a couple players that were in form and feeling good going into the game, but they ultimately didn't come up with anything. And Insigne is the guy, he's, he's just that player, that, that special player that can really make something unique happen that I think Italy needed. It's great to watch the Swedish team that doesn't really have a player that plays in a really, really good team, but overall, they have a high performance, you know they have a good delivery in the passes. I think that comes with, sorry to interrupt. I think that comes with, like I said earlier, they had a plan from the yep. beginning and they stuck with it. If you know what you're going to do, then you're going to play it at a high level. We talked a couple of episodes back about having Turkey, US, and Sweden in the World Cup. You know, I'm a, 
what an amazing experience mm -hmm. and, and, and beautiful that would be, right? Mm -hmm. um, unfortunately, we felt the hurt in Turkey. Two of those, yeah. Two, yeah. But now, man, Sweden is in it, you know? Like, so tell me, you mentioned the players um, that were in that 2006 squad. You mentioned yeah. a couple of the veterans now, but who yeah. are the guys going into 2018 in Russia? Who are the guys that... Just name that's that's gonna, that roster. Name some of them. Who are the guys you're gonna look forward to? I'm the guys I'm looking forward to is really Emil Forsberg. What as first we have to name Force. Emil Forsberg. He's gonna be the kind. He, he if Ibra, there's no Ibra. There's no one like Ibra. But if there's one person on this team that would be that sort of yeah stature on the team yeah. or hold that sort of weight, I think it's Forsberg, man. Me too. Fopa. We call him Fopa. He's the most talented person on that team. I think he's gonna do a good amount of assists and goals, create chances yeah. for the team, right? I really hope for Yimu Durmas. Yimu Durmas is a player that I can say I know. You know, he grew up in Urebro. I played against him a couple of times. Really talented player, plays for Toulouse today. I really wish that he can get himself into the first squad. I'm looking forward to see um, Albin Ekdal be, yeah. you know, come into his form and be that general in the middle. And really looking forward to see Andreas Gronkvist and Victor Lindelof, man. I mean, they've been doing a great job as a as a pair, a couple, and partners in the back, you know. And Robin Olsen, the keeper, he's been outstanding. And, you know, I feel like we have uh, a team that can go there and actually do well, you know, do well. And it's fun. I know. It's fun. I'm I remember... Glad. I remember I remember 2006, me and my twin brother and my friends, we were watching mostly most of the games. Me and you, we do the podcast, we coach, we play, I have my own club. You know, we do so much within football. And now see Sweden in it is going to make the summer so much more yeah. better, you know? Yeah, I'm, I am happy that Sweden has qualified. I will be deservedly so, and I will be rooting for them. They might be there. I guess. I guess they'll be the team I root for the most. Oh, so be happy for that. Congrats, Sweden! Congrats, Swedish people and fans. We did it together. We are strong, and we showed it. Welcome to the 14th episode of the Oscarching King Soccer Podcast Show. How was your weekend, Oz? I mean, I have to say I'm concerned just because uh, the last few days I've been seeing you, you've been limping around and you're often injured, but I rarely see you so gingerly walking like you have been. Does it feel like I'm injured often? Yes, it does. Like, like, <laughs> yeah. I never really had like, you're almost, oh, you're I'm almost so top shape now, really. Do I? No, you're almost Wilshire-esque. Kinda right, but yeah. I still do good performances when I play. Yeah. yeah. But I always complain. I'm yeah. not lying though. You know, nah. it's kind of like that'd be a weird thing to lie about. You know, like I, it's it sucks, right? I mean, I just kind of came back from a hamstring injury. Um, I've been to the gym and kind of working hard to strengthen my hamstring and do a lot of balance and different exercises. 
and I also came back from an uh, ankle injury on my left foot. All right. So a lot, it, it kind of matches up hamstring and ankle when it does uh, balance and and different works for it. It kind of helps each other uh, out. Okay. So I've been doing a lot of gym and I've been eating well and I feel like I'm. You have been going to the gym all lately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At least three, four times no, a no, week. Think about it. I would say I, three, four times a week and play three times a week is the schedule. But I've been cutting down the playing because of my injuries. So this weekend on Sunday, I felt like, okay, I have no issues anymore with my hamstring. Not even mentally. I'm not thinking about Good. it anymore. That's, That's the hard part. Yeah. And my left foot, I, you know, I don't feel any pain. And I kind of got rid of that in my head as well. Mm-hmm. In the game, it went well. Like, I didn't feel tired. I didn't feel that my mind was off the game. I was on track with my speed, technique, good balls, good runs. But at the end of the game, we're down 2-1. Mm-hmm. At the end of the game, I was playing right defender. They tried to make a cross. I took that ball and I went on the counterattack. I kind of through the middle. So I'm running so fast. 100% man. I'm running super fast. And you see me run. I'm running fast. And one of the defenders starts stabbing. And I pass the ball in the deep behind the defensive line. And then I get like one of those American football blocks. An elbow on my face. Mm. You know, his entire body basically on my body stops me. And in that collusion, my right foot gets stuck on the grass. And I can feel like something like that. I can can feel and hear something like that. That was just awkward right there. I know. I mean, the good news is (laughs) I I didn't break my foot. You know, I didn't torn my ACL, anything like that. I basically sprained severely my foot. And it's like, f*** you, dude. Why do you have to do this right at the end of the game? You know what I mean? I guess he wanted to stop the attack, right? But they have to actually carry me off. And I know from experience now, since this shit happened so many times, (laughs) I have to be quick. I have to be quick. We put some pressure on. So a friend of mine had something to really put pressure on my foot. So I really tied it hard on my foot. Came home. Eyes elevated, and uh, I was laying, you know, I was laying down and uh, basically looking outside my door. And uh, it's like, <sighs> not like this hopeless feeling, but like the kind of the realization of like, not that I'm getting old either, but, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, uh, Uh-oh. I know, but. That it takes longer time now for my body to heal. Okay. You know, it's not like before, like I could get a sprained ankle and I would be back in one and a half week with taped foot. You there's know? some bad luck. I think in this case, there's some bad luck to it as well. Maybe you're right. But in this case, uh, you had the hamstring and the ankle on the left foot. and But this wasn't something like, this wasn't like another pulled muscle or anything mm-hmm. like that. So I think if you, it was another pulled muscle... Then I'd be yeah. more concerned yeah. with how my body is is, yes. is struggling to fully recover or something. Yes. Uh, but because it was a contact injury, yeah, I think it was just bad timing. Bad timing, really. yeah. So laying laying down, I thought about Slatan Ibrahimovic. 
what would Slatan do? WWZD question mark. <laughs> WWZD question mark. What would Slatan do? That's not gonna be a thing, but okay, go for it. This is gonna be a big thing, man. It's our mantra. It's our mantra. What would Slatan do? And when he got his injury, they called it one of like a real severe knee injury, right? When he oh, yeah. hurt his knee. And he said basically this. Challenges. They are nothing new. I've faced them. I've conquered them all my life. They said it was over. I was finished. I couldn't come back. I didn't have the hunger. No, I decide when it's time to stop and no one else. Giving up has never been an option. I've worked my body hard and I'm feeling strong. Strong enough to pull on the shirt once again. And all the history, the hopes, the dreams, it's time to finish what I started. The journey continues. With that in mind, I said, you know what? Take the time off to rest and strengthen your ankles before you even attempt to come back. If it takes three weeks, then it takes three weeks. But I have a question to you. Like, when was the last time you got injured? Like, I mean, I've been knowing you for a long time now. And I don't remember any time when you really had a sprained ankle or hamstring or your hip hurts or i mean arm whatever man <laughs> are you jealous i'm not jealous but <laughs> but i'm impressed what's the secret uh, especially because i don't work out as often as you <laughs> or eat as healthy as you do yeah but, <laughs> that's uh, the key maybe that is the key Just not think about exactly. it exactly right? everyone thinks that you have to be healthy and 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 work out and do all this active stuff but no just be a lazy bum like me <laughs> and you you'll be fine <laughs> No, um, you're right. Actually, I was thinking about this. I think I was thinking about it earlier today. Just that uh, I haven't really had an uh, injury in a long time. And that comes up every now and then. I, I was my ankle once before, once I was in like eighth grade or something. Oh my God, eighth grade. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I remember. It's because there, it was PE and the gym teacher put on a, uh, it was like a rope. Yeah. And it was kind of high so you could practice like, I don't remember if we practiced jumping over it or like, going under it or limbo or something maybe it was like an obstacle course or something but it sucked because it was right at the end of pe we're all walking back to class and i was like oh wait let me just do one more thing <laughs> <laughs> and i tried to jump over it but i tripped my foot caught on it and i fell and sprained my ankle that's so typical man <laughs> when you want to show it off an injury comes there right yep. there um and during playing soccer i sprained my my wrist once mm -hmm. when I was, I think, 12, 11 or 12. And it was a tackle similar to what you experienced where, bless the kid, because, or I guess he's a guy now, a man now. But, uh, <laughs> adult. Uh, yeah. Because <laughs> uh, he seemed like really nice actually and concerned after I got hurt. But I just remember I got the ball, I looked up, <laughs> and then I just see this, their defender. He was almost like a bull, like head down, <laughs> charging at me, like right in front of me. Yeah. And he just like 
I was I I pretty much went flying. He just Dude. body checked me. So yeah, actually, actually had like that point one second, whatever, to see him coming. I was like shit. <laughs> I didn't even see him, man. Um, and so yeah, I sprained my arm like that, but that was a while ago. During I think once I was twelve, eleven, thirteen, I got injured a little bit more. The last big injury I had, yeah, was I was fourteen, and it was a muscle injury. Um. Where I was playing in a game and I felt it, or no, it was before the game. I was warming up and I just felt it. It felt kind of weird. Yeah. I told the coach. Uh, he said, "All right, sit on, start on the bench for now. We'll see how you feel." Yeah. I came on for a little bit. I was like, "Eh, this feels kind of ginger." So I got subbed back off. And then the second half, uh, I told the coach, "I, I want to try it again. I'm ready to try again." And he's like, "All right, sure." I, or he asked if I was sure. And then I was like, "Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna give it another go." And after like five minutes in the second half, I. Tore, I think I tore a tendon. Which I, yeah, in my, in on, your, on your thigh? Uh, yes. Qu- quad my, muscle? Like quad, I think. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, that was in pain. And then I was out for like six months or something, I think. It takes a long time. Yeah. I mean, that's a severe injury. Yeah. That, and it was the worst one I've probably gotten. And it also happened to be the last one I've gotten. So I, was, I think I was 13. Okay. Um, okay. But, so, but, but still, you don't really have that many small injuries, it seems like. No, I mean, no, no I mean, niggling. I mean, sort we, of. we don't have the same. We don't have the same playing style, but yeah. still, you know, the same bodies either. But right. Like I don't really have very niggling sort of, just like this little thing that gets to me that may hold me back. Like it seems that you get every now and then. Yeah, you know what? I'm getting jealous now. <laughs> <laughs> well, right now I'm not as injured as you. I can yeah. at least move around, but uh, for whatever reason, I don't know why. The last uh, couple of weeks. I don't know. I just been really sore from like the groin down, mm. my legs up to like my groin. It's just been really sore. I can move. I've tried playing a couple times. I'm. I've just. I. I think I just need a week or so break without without playing much. So I mean, that's very wise. You hear a lot of people talk about, even science talk about how important rest is. Yeah. You know, if you are athletic, if you're active, and you play often. You need to have at least one or two days off with just nothing, right? Just rest. And um, I guess you are very smart to listen to your body, man. I, that's something I only real recently realized. Yeah. Everything you just said. That's only recently come into my mind that I need to do. Only like a year ago. I think the last time I started to get some sort of injury yeah, uh, was... Some sort, I think one of my muscles was bruised and it hurt when I like walk around when I wasn't playing. Mm-hmm. But when I would play, adrenaline kicks in. Exactly. And I don't, warm I don't, and I'm stuff. warm and yeah, yeah, I don't really feel it at all. So I was happy to play. I could play to the best of my abilities. But then as soon as I would stop playing, then I'd feel it. And then I was playing like four or five times a week. So uh, one or two of my, I think our friend Jason, uh, I think he was the one that advised to take a, take a break, take just take kind of one a week. You. Yeah, it pretty much forced me. I didn't want to. Yeah. But I was like, you know what? Maybe I'll try it. And I didn't play for like a week and a half. And uh, yeah, it was fine. It was so, nice. so how are you feeling about going to the gym? I still don't want to go to the gym. You still don't want to go to the gym? One day I'm going to give you a challenge to do like two months at the gym. And you're going to see the transformation on your body, but also on the pitch. Sounds like I'll be injured more. No, you're yeah. gonna be if more. If that's like, what we're saying, that going to the gym injures you. I'm telling you, you're gonna I don't be more like. That wrong I'm message. telling you, you're gonna be more like <laughs> Christian Benteke. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I mean, without going to the gym frequently, I've gone to the gym a few times in my life, and 
It was, it was boring. Fun. Well, actually, I kind of like it cause just because it's an excuse to just bring music or and 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 just listen to music while you do your own thing. I'd do it once, and then the next day I'd be ridiculously sore. So because I know True. you have to do it consistently. Right now, like I said, for the last couple weeks, I have been kind of sore, but I played on Sunday and. Not to rub it in your face or anything, rub but it, I man. scored two goals. You did? Yeah, and what was a very nice chaotic game, actually. But two pretty good now, how goals. How come you always play chaotic games? Yeah, all of our games this season have been very exciting. I mean, what is, very that, high scoring. What is that really saying about your games? Like, there's always <laughs> something weird happening in yeah, your games. Yeah, pretty much. We, very, we concede a lot, but we also score a lot, uh, which isn't something that... You could have said in the past. Fun games to watch, I guess. For sure, for sure. It's a little nerve wracking to be a part of. Yeah, but yeah. fun. To tell me, tell me about nerve wracking point. To I mean, this one game or in general? In general, I mean, I, I I understand what you're saying. Like playing right defender, which is not a position I'm used to. Yeah, but I love it. I love it, and I can't sometimes get that nerve-wracking feeling in my body that is a little bit unusual once we are having the build-up and i have a lot of pressure on me i need to be quick to find solutions right or if i'm starting to make a run and i realize um i guess the guy doesn't do the overlap to me and loses the ball i've realized there is a big gap behind me that kind of i don't want to say fear is not really fear, but that nervous feeling about shit. Now they can score. Now I have to come back. I don't want to mess it up now. Damn. That nerve-wracking feeling. Yeah, there's that feeling, which I feel like that gets in our minds. And I feel like the best players are able to not think of that. Yeah. And just not let it get to them and just play their game. Kind of like, I think you mentioned... um with your previous injuries, yeah. you got to the point that you didn't really have to think about it. Yeah. Because if you if you just recovered from a bad ankle or whatever, and you're winding up to take that shot, that split second, you're like, oh, I don't want to hurt my ankle again. So you kind of yeah, hold off a exactly. bit on the shot. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I feel even if you're not injured, but just those moments where you have the ball, um, it's important to just you know do what you do best. Do what you think is right. Do your game and not worry about losing the ball and giving yeah. and and and, yeah. and the repercussions on what if I lose yeah. it. My games are more uh nerve wracking because especially for I think my team, which is like an average sort of team. Yeah. We're not like there are teams that are better than us in our league. Yeah. For sure. So when we play uh a tough opponent and we're winning, yeah. then we get excited. And yeah. it's like, oh let's keep this win. I yeah. I really want to keep we're winning. This is so yeah. fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Never felt that before. That's not true. But um, so you get that sort of comes into your mind, and then but then you start thinking, oh, maybe, oh, maybe they get that one goal, yeah, and it's like, oh, they're coming back, yeah, and that's exactly what it was like uh, this weekend, three to one up, and uh, then they got that one goal, and it's like, damn, and uh, then and then came the next goal, and they had the momentum, and then. We went from leading at halftime by two goals, and we're on top of the world. We're confident. We're excited to be winning. To now we're now we're nervous to just keep them out, Oof. keep them out from uh, beating us. Oof. It's amazing how many emotions football brings in the game while you're playing. And um, 
I'm starting to have new feelings that I'm trying to, uh, can you say, understand the how to cope with, but I really enjoy the challenge. Like, I really love yeah, the, the, the new feeling of it. Yeah, I think that's that's why I like it a lot. There are always new emotions, yeah. and even, even if it's the same emotions that I feel over and over again, I've felt them so many times, yeah, I still come back for more, right? Right. I mean, which... Emotion is one of the best, though. Relief. Relief? <laughs> yeah. The best you're, one? you're probably thinking I was going to say it's scoring a goal or something. <laughs> yeah, amazing goal, yeah. Like, just relief that you survived. That's the best, re- that's the best <laughs> emotion. For me, it's the one volley up in 90 at the end of the game. I want to think of Manchester City real quick. Yes. Pep Guardiola. Yeah. Right? And City are, are electric. They're so exciting to score. Yes. Boatloads of goals. But they also can see quite a bit. Too, they do. They? So it's kind of a little bit of what we were saying earlier. They're very... The games are very exciting. Yeah. No matter what. Even though I bet Pep would much prefer the games to be straightforward 6 nothing win. Yeah. But no, it's always got to be 6-5 wins. It's, they, they do it though, right? They're yeah. always attacking and they don't basically hold it back. I mean, City, dude, they've been going through an amazing journey and evolution. We talked we about, talked about that last, last week. Last yeah. week. And uh, we talked about the development over the years since the Abu Dhabi Sheikhs took over the team. And every team has a big staff. A big yeah. group of people that works behind the scenes. You have the players, you have the coach, you have the assistant coaches, you have the executive directors, the presidents, but you also have those unsung heroes that really works behind the scene. And um, one of the main ones are kit men. Sure. Right, someone that I mean, takes we over. see their work every 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 game. Every right? game, right? <laughs> I mean, they hang up their stuff in yeah. the locker room. And players go out there wearing jerseys. Exactly, so. <laughs> exactly. So they have a touch on that jersey. They prepare the gears and the stuff for the team, right? And imagine being a kit man for Manchester City. I mean, you are in and around the players all the time, the coaches, you're with the club in the grounds all the time, and you get to know the players and the coaches, all their different personalities. They get to know you. You're pretty much, I want to say, ideally, you're one and the same with them. You're right? friends with them. You're pals with them. You joke around with them. You get to know each other. And they, I feel like they've become less of, ooh, wow, that's, Kunaguero, the superstar idol that yeah. I, I'm so lucky to even be near him. To oh, he's my buddy Sergio. He's my buddy Kun. Right? We're on. <laughs> we're on like the same level. Exactly. I mean, like someone like uh, I don't know um, Yaya Toure. He comes in. Hey, hey, hits you on the shoulder. How are you today, man? Yeah. Good morning. Yeah. Like you is that relationship is like you're not super close friends, but he's also not your coach. And he's just a guy he at can the, be loose with you, loose with relaxed. you, relaxed, and you've been around these players and a culture like that. That's amazing. Yeah, over even at times over the years, just like so many other professions. But uh, if you've been there for a long time, you can really see the, I suppose, evolution of the club over the years, or the coming and goings of different players exactly. and managers. And that's why we are super excited, guys. We are really excited to have. Les Chapman 
as a guest on Oscarchin King Soccer Podcast Show. Before we call Les, we want to tell you that please send us emails about you. Let's connect over Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Subscribe to our show if you like it. Please go ahead and tell your friends and buddies. Um, our next guest is Les Chapman. He's been at Manchester City since 1992 and has been working at the club as a kit man since 1997 to 2014. And one of the big questions that we are wondering is how the story about Mario Balotelli's Why Always Me t-shirt came about. And we approached him, we contacted him, and he said, yes, I want to be on your show, of course. So without further ado, let's, uh, let's call Les and welcome him to the show. Hi Les, this is Oz. I'm with Kerry. How are you? I'm really, really good. Thank you and welcome to Oz Coaching King Soccer Podcast Show. We're happy that you're here, man. We're happy that you're on our show. We are, we're based in Atlanta, U.S. And uh, me and Kerry were, were talking about like everybody in a team, not just the players, but everybody that are around the team are, is important as well. All right. You hear players talking about I want to thank all the back staff as well. And you're one of them, aren't you? You used to be. I did indeed, yes. Yes. And uh, just to talk more about how you really started as a player, though. Because you've been a player and played multiple teams, haven't you? I have indeed. I signed professional football in 1967. Yes. I played for various clubs in England and also played for... Four months at San Jose Earthquake. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Can you quickly just talk about that really fast? Because being an American and me loving all things American soccer, uh, what was it like? One season for the Earthquakes? How was the, that experience in a fledgling sort of league? Uh, it was the NASL, yeah. Um, I was there in 78, and at that time, and up to 79, players could be loaned from all the European clubs. Um, for the summer in America, so mm. like, everybody wanted to play in America. Um, <laughs> money was better, but obviously the weather yeah. was from Europe, so uh, it was always pretty desirable for me, and I got the chance, and I played there for four months. I was still contracted with a team called Oldham Athletic in England at the time, but they loaned me out for four months. So um, you eventually moved back, and um, after after years of playing, you decided to coach for a while, right? Yeah, I was. Uh, I coached at um, a couple of clubs. Well, Rochdale initially as caretaker manager, then Stockport in a similar role, and then I moved to Preston as a player assistant manager. Mm -hmm. And then in 1990, I took over as manager, and then left to go to City as reserve team manager in 92. Wow. So b before we go to City, I'm just curious if you can kind of describe how the a little bit the lower team's culture is in England for people that might not know. Yeah, a lot of the teams in the lower divisions um, have had uh, pretty good histories in the past, of course. They've been in high divisions. Uh, mm. A lot of luck and a lot of... Uh, a lot of money, really, to establish yourself in the Premier League, especially in the top half. Yeah. Football was totally different, totally different in my day when I played. The, the 
money wasn't available, the vast investments in club wasn't there, pristine pitches. Yeah. Uh, we never had the pleasure of earning vast amounts of money. Mm. Uh, but still incredibly enjoyable career, and I wouldn't change it for anything. Would you say that the style of play in the lower divisions is um, different at all than it is up in the Premier League or in the first division, old first division? No. Yes. No, you mean. And back then as well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, in the Premier League, especially in the top half, especially the top six clubs, you've got you've got world-class players who would probably get in any team in the world. And we are fortunate at Manchester City to have an exceptional squad. And this year, everybody's gelling together. And it's a remarkable team. Right. And at the moment, we're on different level than everybody else. Yeah. And you were there before and when, actually, um, they got... Bought by the City Football Club, weren't you? I was there indeed, yeah. Well, I've been in there since 1992. So, yeah, I was uh, <laughs> there initially when the people from Abu Dhabi took over the club. So, what kind of, in the beginning when they bought the club, like, how, how was the, you know, like, did you guys know that, okay, we are going for a bright future? Um, yeah, I think, I think we always knew then that our future was fairly secure and with the vast investment that followed. I mean, it wasn't an immediate impact, but gradually right. yeah. we realized that they, they were serious with their investment and not only just investing in players to improve the first team, the whole structure of the football club was changed. You know, we built a state-of-the-art training ground. Uh, we've got a fantastic stadium. Uh, we've just got... I mean, it, it, it's, it's a complete transformation from pre-money to what it is now. I mean, it's an incredibly different place from when I first went to City to what it is now. Could you enlighten on before the takeover, what was the sort of mindset going into each season for the club? Well, the Premier League started in 92, in, uh, in of course, the mm -hmm. first year I went there. Mm -hmm. um, I suppose our ambitions weren't as, as anywhere near what they are now. Uh, obviously, we didn't have the same financial backing. We had good sets of players. City's got a great uh, tradition in English football, a good history. Mm. Not that we'd won a great deal, um, but it was always a great place to work, uh, great team spirit, good background staff, and as I say, a fantastic fan base. Yeah. Uh, I can remember being, even going down into Division 2 and when we played away from home, we used to fill stadiums with all our fans. It was mainly all our fans that went to away games. And in that period that I've been there uh, since '90s, uh, relegated a couple of times, uh, promoted two or three times, uh, and now firmly established in the Premier League and hopefully go on to win it this season. I mean, we've got the squad for it now. Yeah, this year they look really on fire. They look really solid, man. Yeah. Really solid. So, as a kit man for Manchester City... First, how, sorry, yes. how long were you kit man? You mentioned yeah. that you were background staff. Or you mentioned that you had great I, background I staff. I joined the club in 97. I was kit man. From, uh, from 97 to three years ago. So, that's incredible. So, you also had over the time build some type of relationship with the players as well, correct? Many of them, yes. Many of them still have uh, friends with a lot of them, although quite a few have moved abroad and obviously to different clubs, but I keep in touch with the majority of the players over the years. 
That's incredible. That's incredible. I mean, uh, one of the big iconic moments in football history really is the day when Mario Balotelli scored against Manchester United and he pulled up his jersey and he said, why always me? And yeah. it got to be you that knows this answer and how that came about. So, yeah. I mean, you knew that before everyone else. Sure. Yeah. Can you share us that story, man? They, they players used to work, what we still do, they wear compression shirts underneath the match shirts. If the weather's fairly inclement or it's cold, they'll wear an, un- they'll mm-hmm. wear an undershirt. Um, our players, we, we didn't have long sleeve shirts um, at the time. Uh, we only had short sleeve shirts. So if it was winter or a bit cool, uh, the players would wear a long sleeve compression shirt. And at that time, quite a number of them were having things printed on the shirts. Now, I know it might have been a mother's birthday. Mm-hmm. Uh, it might have been a, a poignant part of the history or a current event. Um, and Mario, in his wisdom, um, <laughs> pulled me during the week on the Monday or Tuesday before that derby game against Manchester United and said he wanted something printed on his undershirt. So I said to him, yeah, that's fine, Mario, but... Um, can't print anything that's too controversial. You can't print things that's going to offend people, especially the Manchester United fans. In, in fact, you can't print anything that's going to offend anybody, really. You know, so you've got to think what you want. Mm-hmm. So then Mario came up with two or three suggestions, and uh, I said, no, Mario, <laughs> those, are, those are quite impossible. Um, and then out of the blue, after about a five or ten second pause, he just said, what about why always me? Yeah. Uh, and as soon as he said it, I knew that was just about absolutely perfect. Excellent. Because of his, I mean, it's been well documented, his activities on and off the field. Yeah. So, uh, at that time, he was, he was fairly controversial and he made the press a lot, especially when he was at Manchester City. So when he just came out with that, I thought that is just absolutely perfect. What happened on the day, unfortunately, Mario, after scoring, I mean, yeah. he must have had great confidence that he was for a score anyway, <laughs> having the shirt printed. But when he when he did score, he lifted his shirt over his head mm. instead of lifting it up to his chin, just revealing the why always me. He lifted his shirt over his head, but unfortunately, it was booked by the referee because of it. Oh, really? So, uh, after the game, I, I got in a bit of trouble because uh, I'd printed it up and. Uh, uh. <laughs> there was a ban on shirts being printed at that particular, that particular incident. But, no way. Uh, yeah, wow. it was, I mean, it, did, it went worldwide in about five minutes. And I can remember in the day afterwards saying to me, Chappie, get on to Umbro. Yeah. Uh, we want commission on this because they're selling these shirts all over the world. <laughs> as I say, it was all over the world. This why I always meet. So I, I had to ring Umbro and find out if there was any commission for Mario and... Uh, Unfortunately, they said no because you can't pay it in words. So, oh man, uh, that, that ended that. But yeah, it was. I mean, Mario is for all his controversy. I mean, everything you read and see and hear about him is probably all true. He was certainly an individual, very unique, <laughs> a complete one-off. Uh, but he was a bright lad, intelligent lad. Actually, came up with the words, and it was just perfect for the occasion. He's a very cool guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's pretty intelligent. He, as I said, he's a complete one-off, completely and totally unpredictable. Unfortunately, got a bit of a reputation as um, 
getting cautioned and sent off quite regularly. But uh, yeah, he's just he's a cool guy, laid back guy. It goes pretty well for him now too. I'm happy to see he's he's doing well. Yeah, well in France, yes. He's at Nice, isn't he now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doing scoring goals. I also. interviewed him. I interviewed him last year. We did a documentary all night against Queens Park Rangers when we won the league in the last seconds. I mean, can you can you describe that feeling for us, man? You've been at the club for so long, and then that last minute goal, assisted by Mario Balotelli to Sergio Aguero. He was his only? Uh, Well, I mean, (laughs) it it was a surreal moment and it it was just met with disbelief everywhere, I think, because extremes of emotion in the matter of seconds, really, from being 2-1 down with only minutes to go up and then eventually winning the last few seconds. Uh, It was pretty typical of City, really. They've got a history of of doing things at the last minute and, and... bringing greatness out of adversity at times. But yeah, that's a very, that will probably never be repeated in, in the history of the Premier League. It was a very unique moment and, and as I said, pretty surreal with the, uh, the extremes of emotions in a matter of a few minutes was just staggering, really. Amazing. Recently, City just uh, defeated Arsenal and we watched the game and we could see that as brilliant as City was, it almost as if it wasn't even their best performance, yet they still give off a performance two or three gears ahead of Arsenal. And it's just been that way the entire season so far for City. So going yes. into this season, has, yeah, I'm surely going to win the league this year, right? <laughs> well, it would, I'd be very, very surprised if we didn't, because at the moment, every team we're playing against, we're at, at, on a different level. We went yeah. to Chelsea, destroyed Chelsea, albeit only 1-0. We went to Napoli, we were top of the Italian league and battered them, battered them at home. Um, we've not really had a close game throughout this season. No. Uh, we've, as I said, we look a different level to everybody we've played against. And I, I, it wouldn't surprise me at all if we went on to win the Champions League. So you mentioned that ever since the takeover, the takeover by uh, the Sheikhs, uh, it seems almost every year has been a steady progression. You're right. It wasn't there wasn't success immediately, but slowly and surely, yeah. City got you know, League Cup semifinals, uh, uh, FA Cups, the League Championship in 2012, Champions League semifinals a couple years ago. It seems now the next step is that Champions League win. And I'm with you. I think City are remarkably favorites for this season. Yeah, looking at everyone else. Yeah, is this, this is the time for with it? Barcelona and Real Madrid. But as you say, as been. It has been a gradual change. It's, it's not happened overnight, and it, it doesn't really happen overnight in football, you know, because they had to get the people who were in charge of the club, the chief executive and the chief operating officer, they had to get those people in place. Then they had to get the, the, the right manager in place that they've, they've always wanted Pep for a right. while. And once they got him in, he had his initial first year in the Premier League, which was... Uh, not as successful as he would have mm-hmm. hoped, but now he's got players in. He bought players last year who progressed this year who are outstanding at the moment, and he's brought with three more additions in this year who just fell into place. Um, notably, the goalkeeper who's been incredible this season. So everything now is in place. What the what the owners have wanted since they first came in. Uh, state of the art training ground, fantastic stadium, incredible team, the right manager. Uh, the right support team, 
everything's in place now, and it's like I'm sure they're absolutely delighted in um, Abu Dhabi. Yeah, I mean, I remember when when they took over, and people were discussing like they're not gonna make it successful especially in the beginning, but I always kind of argued that these guys know what they're going to do. They, doing, yeah, yeah they, I mean, they have a plan. They are business yeah. people. They're going to build the branding. They're going to build the image of the club. And they manage pretty good, man. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, we've got teams in Melbourne, New York, yeah. um, Girona, Uruguay, Yokohama. Uh, they're spreading the brand all over the world. So they came in with the intentions of, not just as a hobby for them, they came in with the intentions of this is going to be long-term, this is going to be successful, and this is going to be worldwide. So they had great ambitions from the start. And I know it's took a few years, but uh, if you look at the progression from when they first came into now, it's staggering, really. It's big. It's very big. And some some people been criticizing that yeah. they play they buy players like overpriced and sometimes they buy players that not really make it but I just yeah. want to kind of ask you about a player that I admire a lot I, and um, you know he came as a young 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 lad and today he's the captain you know David Silva he's been taking he's been having a high level all the time and now he's so more mature and experienced and still producing high level. Um, like, what, what do you have to say about him? David Silver is a genius. He's got incredible ability. He's got the most amazing football brain I've probably seen from any player in my professional career. Mm -hmm. uh, he's got incredible touch, vision. He is an absolute genius. He's probably the best player that Manchester City have ever had. A mm. lot of people would say that he is the best player that Manchester City have ever had. Over Sergio Aguero, who's just really become... argue with him. His ability is phenomenal, and he's such a laid-back, down-to-earth, honest guy. There's nothing flash about him. Uh, he's never controversial. He just gets on with his job. He's a superb player. Yeah. He's a real professional. Yeah, he's incredible. Absolutely incredible. I respect that, but over best player over Sergio Aguero, who's just become the city's all-time top goal scorer. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you look at it, if you look at football in general terms, I mean, you could say you could pick out a goalkeeper who was the best player, but uh, yeah. uh, it, it depends on what what you want to class as the best player. Aguero's probably the best striker that Manchester City has ever had. Yes. Yeah. Um, but I think if you asked the majority of fans who've been around this club for the last 10 years, mm. I think the majority would go along with David Silva being... I mean, he's just a pleasure to watch. Yeah, yeah. And he never, ever, ever never gives less than 100%. He never really has a bad game. Right. Uh, it's just... He has a very unique playing style, too. It's hard to copy that style. It's hard to kind of... Uh, mark him. It's hard to kind of read his what he's gonna do next. Well, it, it, it's as I say, it, it, it's football brain is second to none. He, he's he's ahead of the game. He, before that ball is is played to his feet, he's totally aware of what's around him and what he's going to do with it. Yeah, he can play one touch, two touch. I mean, he he scores goals. He could possibly um, if there was any failing, you would say he doesn't score as many as. 
as uh, he deserves to do, but his, his general game and his all-round play is absolutely remarkable. Brilliant. I think you're absolutely right as yeah. well, honestly. But one that I think is taking City by storm right now, if I had to put on one player, would be Kevin De Bruyne, Ooh. who is just MVP so far of the season, in my opinion. He's been phenomenal, yeah, best it, football of his definitely, career. Definitely, yeah. I mean, there's a case for about six or seven of the players currently True. playing in the first team. They've been unbelievable, but Kevin De Bruyne, who was an exceptional Wolfsburg before he came to City, was brilliant last season for City, but this year, has seems to just elevate himself into a completely higher level. In such a short He's period of time. One. He's another one with a great football brain, mm. great technique, great energy. He pops up everywhere on the pitch. He creates goals. He scores goals with either foot. He's the all-round package. If you wanted to look at a player who had everything, you'd have to say Kevin De Bruyne. I understand that once they're practicing, they're like really competitive. They're, they hate to lose. But they also look so relaxed off the pitch, man. Like um, jokes a lot and very down to earth. I guess you need to have that t- type of uh, balance be- when you are a football player. Well, I think if you want a career at the top level for any length of time, you have to be. You have to be committed. You have to be determined. You have to be. You have to show some kind of humility. Mm-hmm. Um, and these players have got it. You know, there's nobody in that dressing room, as, apart from probably Mendy, who's a, a real character. <laughs> Most of the players are really laid back. Uh, show a lot of humility, intelligence. Very, very professional. And Pep doesn't allow anything less, less of course. Um, he would, I mean, he likes people with character and people with personality, but I don't think he likes uh, people who are getting into trouble off the field all the time. So, yeah. you know, that they understand what they have to do as professional footballers and they adhere to it. They're a very professional mob. Les, I wanted to ask, over the years, along the same lines, who... <laughs> has been, in your opinion, maybe the greatest joker, the greatest prankster uh, in the in Apart the from me, you mean? Yeah. There's been a lot in the past, more so in the past than there currently are. The, the current one is Mendy. Mm. Uh, but we've had some real characters in the dressing room in the past. You know, uh, Kevin Horlock, Ian Bishop, who now lives in America. Um, Nicky Weaver, the goalkeeper. I mean, I could reel dozens off who have been real characters and real fun uh, and brilliant in the dressing room. And probably in those early days, they could get away with a lot more than they can now. You know, and everywhere they go now, they're being filmed, they're being pictured, they're being videoed. So it's very difficult uh, for them outside the life of football to uh, uh, really go off the rails. They have to behave mm. themselves and they have to you know, be role models, so it, it, it was easiest. Well, I mean, when I played, there were no mobile phones, so you could do what you wanted, really. <laughs> right. uh, but they are now more professional, more dedicated. Um, I mean, there's just vast amounts of money involved, isn't there? So, yeah, you're you know, right. It'd be, be absolutely foolish to, like, do something that would jeopardize such an incredible career, so. Yeah, I mean, they have so much responsibility to to themselves to the club to the fans 
Yes. And um, absolutely, one of the main guys that has the responsibility to you know control the ship is the coaches, right? They have they take the ultimate responsibility on the results and what yeah. goes on with the club. Yeah. And um, I remember when Sven Goran Eriksson took over Manchester City, and it was like, okay, they you know. Uh, it's kind of like the beginning. It wasn't. It was before the takeover of the Sheikhs, but yeah. it was still like okay. They want to invest in this club. So you've seen a lot of coaches, right? You've seen Swenger and Eriksson, Mark Hughes, um, Pellegrini, Mancini, and yeah. you know, for us, it's like me and Kerry. We also coach um, outside doing our podcast, and um, we kind of dig into some of the coaches but you actually seen them in their environment so can you kind of describe uh, describe them a little bit which one uh why don't you compare like um i'm curious about swinger and erickson mancini and um pep guardiola of course yeah sven sven wasn't a coach as such he was no he was no master tactician or a brilliant coach on the football field. He was just an absolute gentleman. Yeah. The most polite man. The players loved him, respected him, and and played for him in that sense, as, as opposed to being motivated by some incredible coaching tactic or some incredible motivational speech. They just wanted to do well, obviously, for themselves and the club, but the had so much respect for him. It, it was a really happy time when he was there. Hmm. Um, and I mean, for me, the current one yeah. is the man with the full package. Yeah. Man management, incredible coach, very professional, knows exactly what he wants, won't accept anything like that's secondary. He, 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 he's just He's, he looks to me as though he's incredibly happy as well. He's happy with his team. He's happy with the club. He's happy with Manchester. Um, and I'm sure he's, this season he will he will get a lot of success. But uh, he, yeah, for me, he's looking out through all the managers we've had over the years, and some have been great, some not so great. But mm-hmm. this guy's got the full package, I think. So let's make it official. Predictions for the Premier League for City. And prediction for the Champions League. Who would you say is your well, top four in the Premier I'd League? I'd be incredibly shocked if we don't win the Premier League. Mm. Um, I think by the end of probably if the way things are going and if we can keep everybody injury-free and free from suspensions, then I can see we'll be in an incredibly comfortable position by the end of January. Yeah, A lot possibly could depend on the draw. I mean, we could get Real Madrid or... Bayern Munich, I think, in the next stage of the Champions League. Yeah. Uh, so that obviously will be a big test. Um, but as I said before, it wouldn't surprise me if we did win the Champions League. And as you said, we possibly could be slight favourites. Uh, we're still in the FA Cup, of course, and we're still in the Carabao Cup. So the Carabao Cup obviously isn't as big a priority as the other three competitions, right. but. We're in the semi-final of that anyway, so we could well go on to win that one as well. 
So let's. How would you celebrate if City won both Premier League and Champions League? How how I would you there? Like why celebrate if they win the quadruple? Ah, don't give four. that too much, man. <laughs> <laughs> Two is enough. <laughs> I would what? Sorry. How would you celebrate if City won the double? They won both Premier League and the Champions League. How would you celebrate? Uh, I would hope that I would get invited to the celebration party with the players and the squad. That would make my initial reaction, but it had just been an amazing thing, uh, not just for the players and the, and the management and the football staff at the football club but, and the fans, but for the whole of Manchester. Yeah. It would be an incredible achievement and uh, a sign of things to come, I think. Well, I mean, you got to send us some pictures, man. <laughs> <laughs> so what's next for you? you well, I'm still at City. I still, um, I still work for City TV mm. on the media side. Um, I do live Facebook interviews on match days, pitch side before the game, uh, half-time and straight after it. Uh, I've got some filming tomorrow, actually, with... Um, Andy Morrison and Vincent Company were doing a comparison in what the team and the spirit of the club when Andy Morrison was the captain and now when Vincent Company's the captain we're doing a comparison interview Great, um, yeah. and all kinds of different bits of filming awesome so awesome projects man still pretty well involved and get to see the players and obviously some of the football staff are are still there from when I was there, so it's, it's, I mean, it's been, professional football has been part of my life for the last 51 years, and, and I've been at City since 92, so it's, it's been a major part of my life. So when you kind of look back at when you were, were kid or teenager, um, and were you today, like, what are the, how, how does it feel? Because you've been in a incredible, you've seen incredible development in the football world in general man you see in the first side of it too um, it's incredible how, how does it make you feel um, unfortunately I didn't play in a period where the wages were reasonable yeah. we never really made any money <laughs> but I wouldn't have chosen a different career if I'd have had the choice I mean, I've met some incredible people I've, had, I've traveled all over the world virtually uh, with football, so many countries, so many times, had some fabulous adventures, met some great people, as I said, made great friends. Uh, it's completely dominated my life for like the last 50 years. So, the football is my life, and I've been incredibly fortunate enough to meet some great people, and for the last 25 years, been at a great football club. Uh, where there are now, whether I'm now, and I've been for the last 25 years, fabulous people. Uh, we've had our ups and downs, of course, at City, but uh, now we're in an, inc an amazing position with a fantastic team. <laughs> Everything in the background sorted, and it's it's, it's a pity. I'm not. I, I just wish I was a player starting at City, and I was about 18 and 19, and I just got in the first team. <laughs> <laughs> me too. Me too. Um, let's, uh, let's, um, football is everything for us too. We, we really, um, 
we coach, we play, we have our podcast, and we're also happy that we get the chance to talk to you that's been involved for so long and could share some of your stories. Um, we really appreciate that you joined us, Coach and King, Sake Podcast oh, Show. What about sea based in America? We're in Atlanta, 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 Georgia, in the southeast. Oh, I love Atlanta. We stayed, uh, I stayed at the, the Regis Hotel in Atlanta mm-hmm. when we played over there. Yeah. Um, I love Atlanta. Yeah, it's a great place. Come by again you sometime. Invite me for a bit of work. I'm available. Come by, yeah, for sure, for sure. You come see a game, pal. The, the football here in Atlanta has changed immensely as well, uh, for the better. It's it's immaculate to see. Um, but best of luck to you. Great talking. Let the uh, football continue. Best of luck to City, but uh, not too much because we're Arsenal fans. So yes, we are. Know what. <laughs> <laughs> At least save us the FA Cup again or something. <laughs> <laughs> It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers. See you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Brilliant talk with Les Chapman. It's fascinating to hear the repercussions, which I didn't know about. Oh, yeah. Uh, The repercussions of of that Why Always Me t-shirt. It seems like such an innocent sort of thing, but (laughs) it's pretty funny to hear about what happened. I mean, it was sold in all over the world, right? Yeah. And funny that Mario tried to have come up with two options that yeah, didn't yeah, really yeah. work out <laughs> for him. Um, amazing to have Les Chapman as a guest on our show. Someone that been at Manchester City for so long time and seen the club's evolution from in and out. I really appreciated it, him giving us the insight of the difference between Swenger and Eriksson and how he explained that Guardiola is the full package. Yeah, yeah. I can see that. And he's a guy that he's been with the club for so long. He's seeing the methods of the different he's seeing their personalities like i said erickson was a gentleman a true gentleman and he's seen the culture of manchester city change and he said that now with the with shake mansoor and and abu dhabi group and and city football group coming in the culture of the club has changed to one that expects to win titles and compete with the best in the world exactly and by having a big plan and ambition they're not really just change the club itself. They change the facility to state of art right. training ground. They work hard on the academy system. They build a branding and image all over the world. They have multiple clubs on all the continents, basically. And amazing. And we're really thankful that we had someone like Les to come on, share his experiences. And we wish him all the luck with Manchester City TV and every project that he's doing from now on. And this Manchester City team looks so strong and they can even go all the way and win a double. Winning to win Premier League and Champions League is definitely inside for them and it's possible. But not the FA Cup because that's Arsenal's. Yes. But you know what looks strong to me though? Tell me. Your ankle looks so strong. Get out of here, man. (laughs) Come on, dude. I mean, honestly, right now you have it, you have it taped up and, and I don't know if you have ice in it or anything right now. I'll put some ice soon. But it looks like there's a massive, like, yeah, thank you, man. Tennis ball in it. I feel like that could be a weapon. Uh, Yeah. I can't keep just club somebody. Yeah. Club (laughs) someone on the side of the head with it. Yeah. I gotta do the rice method, right? You rest, ice, compress and elevated so well, I never heard that. you know i've got to kind of do that method and until the swollen gets down then i start gonna get active i'm gonna do a lot of different exercises in the gym to strengthen my both ankles 
once I'm done with that, I'm gonna go on the pitch, not really play football, but kind of do like quick, rapid, quickly movements with the ladder and some agility work to feel really like, okay, my both ankles are strong and now I can come back and just not make this m Do I need to score uh, goals and do I need feel to, those new emotions? Do I need to, do I need to have you practice with the girls that we coach do we have them do ladders do i need you to be part of those practice sessions now i guess so i mean <laughs> we kind of have the same strength when it comes to the ankle now man <laughs> no but seriously man it's it's always a new emotion that comes up even with this injury you know like uh, it kind of came all of a sudden i didn't expect it and it was like the last thing i wanted right but it happens i mean we're going to be challenged like that. I mean, that emotion of getting back onto the field from an injury, that's, that's a good one. That's the way we should think. Yeah. You know, instead of thinking it's a long way back, we should really remind ourselves why we are on the pitch. And uh, so many beautiful emotions are coming out while you're playing. And Keris loves the feeling of relief when you hold out an important game and important win. And I love that games where I score the last minute goal and celebrate the win. I mean, it's end of the day wins that we're talking about. And I feel like we are the winners having you listening to our Scotching King Socket Podcast show. We are already winners if you tune in and listen to it. Who the real winners are. Go ahead. Sweden. Yeah. <laughs> Sweden! We are the real winners, man. We are winners, all of us. You guys that are listening, me and Kerry, Sweden, everyone are the winners, man. And don't ever, ever let yourself think about anything else. Keep being strong, work hard, and love yourself. Thank you for listening to the The Oz, Koch, and and King Soccer Podcast Show.